0: Welcome to the Risen Jesus podcast with Dr. Mike Lacona. Dr. Lacona is Associate Professor in Theology at Houston Baptist University, and he is a frequent speaker on university campuses, churches, conferences, and has appeared on dozens of radio and television programs. Mike is the president of Risen Jesus, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. My name is Kurt Jeris, your host. On today's episode, we're talking about Mathean priority as one of the possible solutions to the synoptic problem. Uh, Mike, it has been the case in, in church history uh, that they have believed Matthew was written first. Could you provide a little bit of background uh, to that for us?
1: Yeah, and, you know, this is important because when we're talking about the synoptic problem, the synoptic puzzle, it's a matter of who was dependent on who. So one of the main things, the first thing we need to do is, is try to figure out who wrote first of the Gospels. And it's interesting to note that uh, when they commented on it, it's unanimous among the early Church Fathers that Matthew wrote first. So you have figures like Irenaeus, Origen, um, Augustine, Eusebius, Clement of Alexandria. They all talk about uh, Matthew being written first. Now, of course, the early Church Fathers aren't perfect um, uh, they make mistakes. Eusebius made one that's a bit of a howler, where he talks about a letter that Jesus wrote and sent to the king. I think his name was Agapus, and um, and communicates with him. And I mean, nobody today thinks that that is an authentic letter of Jesus, but Eusebius apparently did. So these guys make mistakes. In fact, uh, Clement of Alexandria says it's a different order. You know, Matthew's first, but he thinks Luke wrote second, Mark wrote third, John fourth, whereas it seems like the others place at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So they're not inerrant. They're not divinely inspired. Um, They do provide us with valuable insights, because they are writing a lot closer to the events than than we are today. Um, But they did make mistakes. But it is interesting that when they talked about uh, the order of the Gospels, all of them who comment on it say Matthew was written first. And this is the strongest argument in favor of Matthew and priority,
0: now, uh, I'd like to uh, read uh, from a short, short passage from uh, St. Augustine's uh, work called The Harmony of the Gospels, uh, where he talks about this order, and also, um, you know, if time allows here, at the start of our program, the, the principles on which they wrote, um, providing some background here. So here, here's Augustine. Now, those four evangelists whose names have gained the most remarkable circulation over the whole world and whose number has been fixed as four— he continues on, are believed to have written in the order which follows, first Matthew, then Mark, thirdly Luke, lastly John. Hence, too, it would appear that these had one order determined among them with regard to the matters of their personal knowledge and their preaching of the gospel, but a different order in reference to the task of giving the written narrative uh, so that's interesting there um, about that. So here's here's what he has to say about Matthew, and I want to um, definitely get um, what you know about this. He says, of these four, it is true, only Matthew is reckoned to have written in the Hebrew language, the others in Greek. Could you tell us about this here, Matthew's written in the Hebrew language?
1: Yeah. You know, there was one of the early church fathers, I don't remember who it was, but he said he had actually seen a manuscript of a Hebrew Matthew's Gospel. Um, now, when they talked about that, they could also be referring to Aramaic, and, and, very, and very likely were referring to Aramaic rather than Hebrew, but yeah, so he mentions that. And then we have another author who wrote uh, very early, his name is Papias, and he talks about how Matthew was written in Hebrew or Aramaic. So that, that's kind of interesting because we don't have anything like that today. Um, and there's some arguments against that. You know, uh, Hardly any scholar today thinks that, even evangelical, thinks that Matthew that we have today was written in Hebrew. But that was the testimony of some in the early church and appears to be even of Papias, who is a, a very good source and our earliest source.
0: Hm. Interesting. Uh, what does Papias have to say about uh, the content of Matthew's uh, gospel?
1: Well, this comes from uh, the fragments of Papias. He he wrote five volumes of Jesus' teachings, and they have not survived. They've been lost, unfortunately. It would be great to have them. Um, they're only preserved in what are called fragments. In other words, there are just portions of that that have been preserved in the writings of other ancient authors. So that's, they're, they're it's a, a compilation of those surviving fragments is what's called the fragments of Papias and they're numbered differently. So if you get one that's put out by, uh, let's say, uh, Lightfoot or Bart Ehrman, you'll have one numbering system. If you're looking at uh, the one that's probably most popular today, the one by Michael Holmes, His uh, version of uh, the Apostolic Fathers, there's a little different numbering system in there. So I'm going to read from Holmes here, okay? And this comes from the Fragments of Papias. It's fragment three, and we start at verse, um, uh, let's see, Um, verses 15 and 16. So 15, he starts off with Mark. And he says, and the elder, and he's referring to the elder John, and there's a dispute among scholars if he's referring to John, the son of Zebedee, the apostle, or if he's referring to another apostle, a minor apostle, a minor disciple of Jesus who had uh, traveled with Jesus. You know, he had minor disciples in addition to the 12 who traveled with him. Is it referring to that? And they call him the elder John to distinguish him from John the apostle. Most scholars think he's referring to John the apostle of uh, 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 the son of Zebedee. But some significant scholars think different, like Richard Baucom thinks he's referring to a minor disciple. So a- anyway, it's still an eyewitness of Jesus. So here's what Papia says. And the elder used to say this. So this apostle of Jesus used to say this. Mark, having become Peter's interpreter, wrote down accurately everything he remembered, though not in order, of the things either said or done by Christ. For he neither heard the Lord nor followed him, but afterward, as I said, followed Peter, who adapted his teachings as needed, but had no intention of giving an ordered account of the Lord's sayings, the Lagion sayings, teachings. Consequently, Mark did nothing wrong in writing down some things as he remembered them, for he made it his one concern not to omit anything that he heard or to make any false statement in them. So then is the account given by Papias with respect to Mark. But with respect to Matthew, the following is said, and he quotes Papias again. It's only one sentence. So Matthew composed the oracles, the talagia, the teachings, the sayings, in the Hebrew language, and each person interpreted them as best he could.
0: Hmm. The sayings of, of Jesus there for, for yeah, Matthew the
1: sayings or the teachings yes
0: now that's interesting what he has to say about mark um that mark mark's gospel is not an ordered account um per se um but also this ambiguous or vague phrase here about the construction of the sayings now yeah. m- maybe this means either that peter constructed jesus's teachings in his own way, or maybe it means Mark constructed Peter's teachings uh, in that way. There's vagueness about who the reference is, uh, but, right. but very interesting uh, point here comparing um, different approaches to the genre of the Gospels and the implications there.
1: That's exactly right. You know, I, as you know, I've, I've done some study and written Just on Just a this. little. Just a little. Just a little. as a hobby, Um, and we can see the flexibility that ancient authors took with their sources when we look at Plutarch, Suetonius, people like that, Tacitus, um, and we can see the gospel authors doing it as well. They even do it with the Old Testament scriptures, okay? Um, So when you – and we saw that in – you know, our, pre- our previous episode, how they did that with the with the Greek translation mm-hmm. of Isaiah. Isaiah, yeah. So, um, but we can see here that Papias is either saying that Mark did that with Peter, or Peter did it with Jesus, which is kind of interesting. It shows that, you know, they had no problem with this kind of flexibility in how they were reporting things. Mm. They Now, they didn't just have this blanket license to just invent things, you know, uh, but... They did have a license to to do things, like with the crea, it would be pithy sayings. It's like what Jesus says to Peter, after he laps off the the ear of the servant of the high priest, he says, you know, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. That is a crea, that is a pithy saying. Jesus may have said that elsewhere in his ministry, and Mark just put it there in that context, or it could have happened in that context, but you had a freedom to take those crea and place them wherever you wanted. Mm. Um, So, uh, there was this flexibility, and Papias is talking about that right here.
0: Nice. Um, Now, getting back here to the the order of the the Gospels. um, So, Matthew has these oracles uh, that he's arranged. Here's what Augustine, again, from this, uh, on the the Harmony of the Gospels, has to say about Mark. Um, Let's see. Mark follows him, that is Matthew. Mark follows him closely and looks like his attendant and epitomizer. For in his narrative, he gives nothing in concert with John, apart from the others. By himself separately, he has little to record. In conjunction with Luke, as distinguished from the rest, he has still less. But in concord with Matthew, he has a very large number of passages. So here we see even Augustine comparing the relationship uh, between the the Gospels, all four. Um, Now, so what sort of reasons? We've, We've looked at the external evidence, the, the church tradition on this, but what sort of internal evidence might there be to support Matthian priority?
1: Well, there's just a few more arguments. The early church fathers saying Matthew was first is the, mo- is the strongest, but there's something called Mark and redundancies. So this is where you have Matthew uses uh, one way of saying things, Luke has another way of saying it, and Mark includes both. So, for example, uh, Matthew, at one case, talks about Jesus, um, um, I forgot the exact context, it might be when uh, he was ready to cross the lake, and uh, he says, that evening, and Luke, so that's Matthew 8.16, and Luke 4.40, it says, as the sun was setting, so Matthew says Jesus did this at at that evening luke says that he did it as the sun was setting but mark 132 says that evening at sundown so it's kind of like he can he includes both of them so um and there are 17 instances of this that uh, can be identified so you have to ask the question is it more likely that in these instances mark had if we go mark in priority that in this instance Matthew chooses to use this one portion of what Mark said and Luke chooses to do another, or is it more likely that Matthew said it one way, Luke said it another, and Mark combined them?
0: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, So, the internal evidence doesn't seem as strong uh, for Matthean priority compared to... No,
1: it's somewhat subjective, of of course, but it's an argument, uh, and it's not even quite as strong as the external evidence of the early church father, saying Matthew, is written first. Another argument would be when, and, and this is something that's been recognized by scholars for many years, when, when Mark is writing and he's transitioning from one event to another, he'll, he'll say, I, I come to the end of it, and he says, and again, Jesus did this. And again, Jesus did this. It's kind of like to move the story along rapidly, and it's like, Kai Pollen, Kai Pollen, and again. And he does this as a connector on 15 occasions, it seems. Well, um, those embracing Matthew in priority would say, well, if Matthew was, if Mark was writing first, and Matthew was using Mark, well, then you would expect at least on some of these seven, uh, on, on some of these occasions, 15 occasions, that Matthew would include Kai pollen. And again, but it never occurs that way. And when Luke, if Luke's using Mark, he doesn't use it that way either. Mm. So it would make more sense that Mark is familiar with Matthew and perhaps Luke, than it would be the other way around. So that would be an argument for Matthew in priority.
0: Interesting. Now, I, I don't mean to open up a can of worms, uh, but what are some of the reasons for thinking that um, Matthew was not written first?
1: Oh, well, all the reasons that we would give for Mark and priority (laughs) would be one. Um, But, you know, we've mentioned uh, Papias, right? So let me just bring him up, uh, because I think this is a very strong argument against Matthew and priority. Okay. Um, I I read that that passage uh, of Papias um, that's reported by Eusebius, but let me go back to it and read it again okay so remember he says Matthew composed the sayings uh, in the teachings in the Hebrew language right and each person interpreted them as best he could so Matthew he saying wrote in Hebrew or Aramaic just as these early uh, some of the early church fathers uh, only a couple of them mentioned that he actually wrote in Hebrew okay they all mention he wrote first okay but Only a few of them say he wrote in Hebrew. So, all right. So we go back to Mark. And the elder used to say this. Mark, having become Peter's interpreter, wrote down accurately everything he remembered, though not in order, of the things either said or done by Christ. For he neither heard the Lord nor followed him, but afterward, as I said, followed Peter, who adapted his teachings uh, as needed, but had no intention of giving an ordered account of the Lord's sayings. Okay, the Lord's sayings. So, consequently, Mark did nothing wrong in writing down some of these things as he remembered them, for he made it of concern not to omit anything that he heard or to make any false statement about them. Now, if Mark heard these things from Peter directly, then why is there such verbal agreement on so much between Matthew and and Mark. If Mark is putting down what he heard Peter say, and Matthew is writing first, then why the verbal agreement? It would it would seem that there is literary dependence as we talk, remember, let the reader understand, and the parenthetical comments and things like this. There's some sort of a literary dependence. It would seem that either Matthew is depending on Mark as a source, or Mark is depending on Matthew as a source here. Maybe they're using a common source. In that case, the early Church Fathers are wrong. Right. So you know, what that Matthew was written first, there's a source even earlier than Matthew on this. But the point I want to make here is, since Papias says, and he says he's got this information from one of Jesus, uh, an associate of one of Jesus' Apostles, while that Apostle was still alive and preaching, um, it would appear, if Matthew was written first, then Mark's primary source is not Peter, it's Matthew. Um, And why is it that they're translating the same Hebrew in precise Greek language? As we talked about in an earlier episode, this is just extremely implausible. Mm. And if you want to say, well, yeah, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit just shows that. Well, then why do you have editorial fatigue? Why do you have Matthew and Luke improving Mark's grammar (laughs) and things like that? Uh, so there's all kinds of problems with that kind of an answer right there. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah, yeah, in a nutshell here, Papias would basically be wrong, um, because on one of them, yeah. Right, because he's saying Mark gets his material. It seems he's saying exclusively from Peter. Yeah. But if Matthew wrote first, and there's a suggestion here that Mark had access to Matthew, that wouldn't be the case. So that's that's a, a stretched uh, read on as a possible solution. To this, yeah, the synoptic problem.
1: Who are we going to go with on this too? Are we going to go with Papias, who's writing sometime in the latter part of the first, or who's getting this information sometime in the latter part of the first century from an associate of one of Jesus' actual disciples who had walked with him, or are we going to are we going to believe others who do not provide their sources and who write a 200 years after, uh, you know, later? After Papius had received this information, yeah. I, I put my money on Papius. But you, but but still, I don't think we can undermine or just reject what all of these early church fathers are saying about Matthew writing first, and even in, in Hebrew, even Papius says he wrote in Hebrew or Aramaic. We've got to be able to account for that, and I think we can do that.
0: Huh? Interesting. Um, now, could it be the case that Matthew was written? Independently of Mark, so so Matthew could have been written first, independently, entirely independently from Mark. You know, um, that might explain why we get sort of the um, the the historical tradition, the church tradition here, but it wouldn't explain the internal evidence, would it?
1: Uh, well, well, wouldn't explain like the verbal similarities, right. the editorial fatigue that we're going to talk more on that in in a, a little bit. It wouldn't explain all these things that we went over in previous episodes, uh, the five, uh, I uh, you know elements that seem to suggest that there's a literary dependence going on. And again, if Matthew's written first, then because of these verbal agreements and the parenthetical comment and the puzzling verbal agreements and things like that, the editorial fatigue, it would seem if Matthew's written first then Mark is using Matthew rather than Peter.
0: Mm. Yeah. Nice. Good. Well, um, could you give us maybe a few names of people that support Matthean priority uh, in the scholarship today or even over the past couple hundred years?
1: Oh, boy. Um, well... I think uh, David Allen Black, who used to teach at um, Southeast, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, I think he holds to Matthew in priority. Um, David Barrett Peabody uh, takes that view in the book, a recent view, uh, 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 the recent book, The Synoptic Problem, Four Views, that's edited by Stanley Porter and Brian Dyer. It's, a, it's an excellent book if you want to look at the synoptic problem see the different views. Um, and they interact with one another, which is, is good. So, um, there are some professors, I, I think, at Southern Evangelical Seminary, who take that view. Um, you know, it's not a popular view. It, I mean, hardly any scholars take that anymore. So, um, that doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, it is still a puzzle, the synoptic problem. There are some decent arguments from Matthew and Priority. Again, I don't think that we can dismiss the unanimous testimony of the early church fathers when they were talking about it. I don't think we can just dismiss that. Um, I think we've got to look for a solution that can take that testimony, that unanimous testimony into account while also taking into account the difficulties involved. And I think we can do that. So I know we'll be talking about that in another episode, but I think we can do that. So I, I just wouldn't say that the yeah, I'll just save that for the episode, future episode. <laughs>
0: Good. Uh, let me ask you this last question. So, what if 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 scholars by and large reject uh, Matthew in priority in favor of Mark and priority? What might explain why uh, the early church believed Matthew was written first?
1: I don't know. I mean, there's there's some there was some testimony that was going around. Unfortunately, they don't provide their sources. Papias provides his source there, right? Mm. But they don't necessarily provide their, the others don't provide their sources for uh, saying why Matthew was written first. It could be pure speculation that maybe they were arranged Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and someone took that to mean that, Matt, that they were written in that order. But of course then you got Clement of Alexandria who says it was Matthew, Luke, Mark, and John. Um, So where did he get that from? Unfortunately, we don't know because he doesn't mention his sources. So it's just difficult to say.
0: Hmm. Interesting. All right, let's take a look here. Um, We've got a question from John here who's just uh, wondering what your reception has been about your book on Gospel Differences.
1: Well, it's been mixed. Um, There have been some quite positive reception of it by, let's say, Michael Kruger, the president of Reformed Theological Seminary. He wrote a positive review of it um, in the Westminster Theological Journal. Uh, Robert Stein wrote a positive review of it. And when when I say positive, it doesn't mean that they were uh, like- In full agreement. Exactly, but very positive though. Um, Robert Stein, uh, who taught at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, he wrote a, um, he's retired now, but he wrote a positive Review of it in the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society. Um, Trying to think. Uh, Mark Strauss, a prominent New Testament scholar who teaches at uh, Bethel Seminary out in California. He wrote a positive um, review of it in Themelios, a a journal. Um, J.I. Packer, a very conservative uh, evangelical theologian. He, um, he wrote a, a – gave me a blurb. It was unsolicited, and uh, it appeared – that blurb appears – endorsement appears on Amazon. In fact, he heard me lecture on it in uh, Vancouver before the book came out, and it was like the first time I had met him that day. And after I lectured, I sat down, and while people were still clapping, he walked up to me, shook my hand, and said, I'll never forget it because I, I wrote it down. Uh, here I am meeting with this iconic scholar, and I w- immediately put the note down on my cell phone. He said, thanks, tops, agreed with every word. Now, he heard my lecture. He hadn't read the book at that point, okay, um, but he he liked my lecture on gospel differences and accounting for them through compositional devices. Um, so there's been some negative. Um, I'd say uh, there was a negative review of it in the review of biblical literature. Um, but it's, it, uh, this guy had an ax to grind. It was, was pretty obvious. It, um, I forgot his name. I, would never heard of the guy before. Um, but he, I, I went to his, uh, his teaching. Uh, I think he teaches at Mars Hill college and he, he leans toward postmodernism. So, um, and he's, I don't think he's a historian as a new Testament scholar. He's more of a theologian, but, but he thought I was there to defend the reliability of scripture. And um, in fact, he even said that this was written for the person in the pew. It wasn't academic. Well, (laughs) it's it's published by Oxford (laughs) University Press. (laughs) As an academic, they were going to publish it as a monograph, you know, and sell it for $135. And I begged them to just pull the price down. So they did. They made it like $35, which it sold a lot more copies. But it's interesting. Like two months after that book, two or three months after that book came out, Oxford approached me and said, "Hey, would you would you write a popular version of it, not an academic version, but a popular version?" and publish that with us as well. So even Oxford recognized it wasn't uh, uh, meant for the person in the pew. And it's interesting, you've got uh, one uh, uh, conservative uh, evangelical out there criticizing me and saying it's undermining the reliability of the gospels. Whereas this other guy criticizes me for saying, I wrote it to defend the reliability of the gospels. So it's like, I can't win. So it's had some mixed reviews, but you know when I have the leading Plutarch scholar in the world, Christopher Pelling, who endorsed it and offline, he, he said some very positive things to me about the book and, and said he was very encouraged in his cross-disciplinary um, thing and uh, work. When you have him saying such positive things and some others who've said positive things, I, you know, I, I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, nice. Great. Uh, well, John, hopefully that can answer your question there. Mike, Mike's response uh, clues us in to its reception in the uh, academic world. Um, Mike, thank you for uh, introducing us to the uh, mathean Priority View, exploring uh, you know, the pros there. I'm sure in the forthcoming episodes we'll explore more of the, the cons when we talk about uh, Mark and Priority. Um, and, uh, oh, on, on that note, I want to encourage... Um, Our listeners, if you've got a question that you'd like uh, Dr. Lacona to answer, please feel free to uh, submit them uh, our way. Uh, One of the best ways to do that is to follow Mike on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube and just submit your questions there. We uh, look at some questions that pop up in the the comments, so we're happy to uh, put those Uh, here when we've got the opportunity on the podcast. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, please go review the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Your reviews help with the search engine results of folks looking for podcasts like this. Well, if you'd like to learn more about the work and ministry of Dr. Mike Lacona, please visit risenjesus.com, where you can find authentic answers to questions about the resurrection of Jesus and the historical reliability of the Gospels. There you can check out free resources like e-books, watch videos such as debates or lectures, or simply read some articles written by Mike. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, would you consider becoming one of our financial supporters? Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. This has been The Risen Jesus Podcast, a ministry of Dr. Mike Lacona.